This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ministers from the G7 group of big economies backed a proposal to cap the price of Russian oil. Under the plan, firms would be barred from financing or insuring shipments of Russian oil if the sale price exceeds the cap. America suggested the idea out of a concern that a total insurance ban, which Britain and the European Union intend to impose by the end of the year, would send prices rocketing. The cap for Russian crude shipments will take effect on December the 5th, though the level has not yet been set. In a seemingly tit-for-tat move, Gazprom, a Russian energy firm, said it would keep the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline shut beyond a three-day closure that was due to end on Saturday. It blamed a leak at a turbine and gave no indication when it would restart deliveries. The pipeline to Germany was only running at a fifth of capacity before it was taken offline, supposedly for maintenance, on Wednesday. Pilots at Lufthansa, a German airline, went on strike on Friday, forcing the firm to cancel about 800 flights. Around 130,000 passengers are affected, some of whom are stranded in Frankfurt and Munich. Airlines have scrapped thousands of departures this summer as companies face staff shortages and strikes just as demand has picked up after long lockdowns. At least 18 people were killed in an explosion at a mosque in Herat, a city in western Afghanistan. The victims include Mujib Rahman Ansari, a prominent pro-Taliban scholar. No one has yet claimed responsibility, though the local affiliate of Islamic State has carried out several similar attacks in recent weeks. American employers added 315,000 jobs to non-farm payrolls in August, well below July's figure, in a sign that hiring has started to slow. The unemployment rate rose by 0.2 percentage points from July to 3.7%. Month-over-month wage growth eased to 0.3% in August, from 0.5% in July. That will come as a welcome relief to the Federal Reserve. A list of material seized by the FBI from Donald Trump's Florida estate showed that he haphazardly mixed classified material with mundane press clippings. 48 of the boxes it retrieved from America's former president were marked as containing classified information, when in fact they were empty, raising the question of whether some documents remain missing. The disclosures came in a court filing. A judge in Myanmar was reported to have convicted Aung San Suu Kyi of electoral fraud and sentenced her to three years' hard labour. Miss Su Kyi the long-serving leader of her country's democracy movement, was arrested when Myanmar's military junta seized complete control of the country in early 2021. Until then, she had been the de facto leader of an elected government. And word of the week. Kwichon, a Korean term for the return to rural life, which more young South Koreans are doing. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Vying for the Keystone State Pennsylvania's midterm elections carry high stakes. Democrats have a rare chance to flip a Senate seat. Republicans are set to restrict abortion if they win the governor's office. 
Underlining the state's importance, President Joe Biden will have traveled there three times in a week come Monday. Not to be outdone, on Saturday, Donald Trump will hold a rally near Mr. Biden's hometown of Scranton. Endorsed by Mr. Trump, the Republican candidates look like liabilities. Mehmet Oz, a celebrity television doctor running for the Senate, has been roasted for an out-of-touch ad lamenting that inflation had made crudités unaffordable. Doug Mastriano, a hard-right state legislator vying for the governorship, peddles the lie that the 2020 election was stolen. He says he will make voters re-register to crack down on non-existent widespread fraud, a proposition that conflicts with federal law. The two candidates won over Mr. Trump. Polls suggest they are struggling to do the same with Pennsylvanians. The European Energy Roller Coaster Over the past two weeks, energy traders have watched in disbelief as European gas and electricity markets exploded. Gas futures for the fourth quarter of 2022 briefly touched €350, or $350, per megawatt hour. The typical pre-pandemic price was around €30. French daytime power, particularly expensive because demand is highest during the day, hit more than €2,500. For comparison, the running costs of a nuclear plant, of which France has many, although most are closed for maintenance, are about 30 euros per megawatt hour. The price bubble deflated, but settled at still alarming levels of 250 euros per megawatt hour for gas and 1,750 euros for French daytime power. Where next for European energy prices? Germany's decision on whether to keep its remaining three nuclear plants open beyond December is due soon, and France is working on restarting more of its plants. Luckily, Russia's closure of the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to Germany on August 31st, supposedly for maintenance, barely moved markets. The impact of Russia's attempts at energy blackmail may be weakening. Mikhail Gorbachev's Divided Legacy In the West, Mikhail Gorbachev, who died this week, is heralded as an idealistic reformer. But elsewhere, the Soviet Union's final leader was less esteemed. Many Russians blame him for the economic and social chaos that followed the Soviet Union's collapse. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, will pointedly skip his funeral on Saturday, which will have only, quote, elements of a state ceremony. In other ex-Soviet states, Mr. Gorbachev is a controversial figure. After supporting Russia's annexation of Crimea in 2014, he was banned from Ukraine for five years. The nuclear disaster in Chernobyl in northern Ukraine occurred a year into his tenure as general secretary. Its scars still run deep. Under his watch, hundreds of pro-independence protesters were killed in crackdowns in Azerbaijan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Latvia, and Lithuania. The latter's foreign minister says he, quote, will not glorify the Soviet leader. Mr. Gorbachev's reforms helped lift the Iron Curtain. His death shows how differently Eastern and Western Europe remember him. Seoul's art scene fares well. One of the world's biggest and trendiest art events opens to the public on Saturday in South Korea's capital. VIPs in Seoul got a special viewing of Frieza's first Asian fair on Friday night. Talk of new exhibitions and agents' percentages filled the air as gallerists, critics, and collectors chatted and struck deals in Korean, English, Italian, and Mandarin. 
Freeze's arrival in South Korea is something of a coming out party. Seoul's reputation in the art world has been steadily growing. Foreign galleries have arrived and young local enthusiasts have been buying lots of art. The fair will also test Seoul's ability to rival Hong Kong as an Asian center of the art world. Over the past 30 years, South Korea's star has risen dramatically. But with only 2% of global post-war sales, it still has some way to go. Weekend Profile Liz Truss, Britain's likely next prime minister If Rishi Sunak becomes leader of the Conservative Party on September 5th, it will be the greatest upset for the political polling industry since Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton to win the American presidency of 2016. At present, Liz Truss appears overwhelmingly likely to win the poll of conservative members and succeed Boris Johnson as the party's leader, and with it become Britain's prime minister. Betting markets imply she has a 95% chance of prevailing. Who is she? Ms. Truss is one of the most experienced members of the British government. First elected in 2010, she joined the cabinet as agriculture secretary in 2014 under David Cameron. She continued at the top table under Mr. Cameron's successors, holding the posts of Justice Secretary, Chief Secretary to the Treasury, Trade Secretary, and most recently, Foreign Secretary. She has adopted the mantle of her hero, Margaret Thatcher. Her overriding priority is improving Britain's low productivity through a combination of tax cuts and regulatory reform. She plans to cut payroll taxes and cancel a planned raise in corporation tax. Ms. Truss brushes aside warnings that fiscal loosening would be inflationary. A large part of her appeal to Tory members is a relentless optimism, and also a loyalty to Mr. Johnson who, despite being ousted by his colleagues in July after two scandal-plagued years, retains the affection of rank-and-file party members, not least for delivering Brexit. She is a forceful advocate of a new doctrine of muscular cultural conservatism in the modern Tory party, pro-free speech, against revisionist historians and new gender theories. Ms. Truss's critics regard her as an oddity and a lightweight, not least for her invocations of Thatcher's legacy. She is best known outside of Westminster for a gawky speech delivered as agricultural secretary, pledging to open up, quote, pork markets. Yet she has been repeatedly underestimated, including by Mr. Sunak. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Maznoon Bujan, Kuching, Malaysia. North America, Ina Tavena, Tucson, America. Central and South America, Alejandro Jara, Santiago, Chile. Europe, Steve Rayner, London, Britain. Africa, Naren Narismulu, Durban, South Africa. Oceana, John Wright, Auckland, New Zealand. They all gave the correct answers of Juno, Utah, Sword, Omaha, Gold. The theme was the names of the D-Day landing beaches in June 1944. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Akira Kurosawa. The role of the artist is to not look away. 
That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.